Hello, you're listening to Rebuilding Your Life Radio and the Train Your Brain, Claim Your Power Calls. I'm Susan Shereko. Welcome. Joining me today is Gary Benoit, who is bringing our attention to his work and his book, A Call for Service, Overcoming Adversity Through Resilience. Now, I was fortunate to meet Gary through Stacy Berger, who was on the show a few weeks ago. And Stacy watched Gary overcome adversity through to, to get through resilience and felt that he was a wonderful fit for our audience. So guess what? She's right. And I'm delighted to introduce Gary Benoit. Hello, Gary. Please wave your hands, everybody. Welcome, Gary. Hi, thank you so much. I really Hello, appreciate Gary. you having Welcome. me. Thank you. Oh, I'm delighted. Gary, you're speaking to us via Zoom from Edmonton, Canada, which, yes, to put it in perspective for the audience, is 24 hours north of Las Vegas. Correct. That's a far piece away. It's a little ways away from where you're <laughs> Have at. Have you yes. always been in Canada? Yes, yes. I was born, born and raised in Canada. Uh, yeah, and so it's been my home for my whole life. So, yes. Yes, okay. Well, Gary, your book was just released in October through Amazon worldwide. Um, why did you want to write the book? Yeah, you know, um, I went through uh, my own personal uh, adversity story where, I, you know, I had a, some experiences while I was at work. Because uh, I'm a first responder, I'm a police officer, and so um, those experiences I had really affected me. And then, um, you know, it affected my family. And what I realized was that many people in my position in the frontline world, in the first responder world, um, actually in, in the world in general, really, truly were experiencing different levels of trauma, and they were having trouble coping with it. So I believe by sharing my story, I can at least maybe have some impact on their lives or give them the ability to see that things can be different and it doesn't matter where you come from or what experience you have that you can work your way through whatever is uh, causing you that concern or, or or that trouble in your life or whatever you want to call it you you were actually out on disability correct for uh, a period of time no, I wasn't actually off specifically on disability. I, I, um, I took a, I had to go off on leave for a mandatory leave uh, after my shooting. So I had an officer involved shooting in 2007. And so they put, they put you on mandatory leave. Um, and then, and those, that, that, those period of three days that I experienced there, they were pretty, they were terrible. They're the, probably the worst three days of my entire life. Um, uh, I, you know, there there was a feeling of isolation. There was a feeling of anger. There was a feeling of uh, despair. There was a feeling of um, uh, I was I was in a place of un, unsureness. I didn't know where what was going to happen next or how it was going to happen. And I had all these other thoughts in my mind of Did I actually do my job? Um, was it necessary? Um, I second guessed all of what I did. I second guessed all of what was happening in my life at home. And, uh, and really, it was the tip of the iceberg for me, like, though, that moment, there was a whole bunch of things that had happened to me prior to uh, events that I had gone to things that I've seen things that were bothering me that I didn't realize were bothering me. Like, I equate it to like feeling a backpack full of rocks. And so 
ultimately, if you continue to fill your backpack of emotional backpack and you fill it up until you can't fill it no more, there comes a point in time when you can't carry it or it overflows. So I didn't have the capacity to even um, understand what I was feeling. I couldn't express what I was feeling. I couldn't talk to anybody. And that was mandated by, by my organization by the time. And, and that's just the way it was. And not that it was bad or good. It just, it just caused me a lot of concern and problem at home. And it really spilled over into my family. It really spilled over there. And, uh, you know. So you began, you began a process of recovery. I think you told me when we first talked, it was like four to five years that you were going through this oh, yes. to make changes in your life. Yes. Like it took me a long time. Like when I look back at it, like I look back and I have, I have the, the right now, the, the hindsight, right? The hindsight looking back at it. And, and I'm come from a place now of gratitude for all of what I've been through. But at, in the moment, like I started in 2007 and then after my shooting and things were just really rocky, I almost lost my family. And so I made a decision. I mean, I made one decision. Um, and uh, the decision was to, to be different for my family. And so uh, opportunities came to me in by way of self-educating. So I educated myself on... Um, kind of like my relationship with my wife because I was in a place that was um we were we weren't I was gonna lose her she's gonna leave me she told me she's leaving me if I couldn't change I was destructive and I was angry and I wasn't present at home and so I read a a couple of books uh, one the five love language book I read some books called I don't know just about your mindset uh, a Canadian author called um about Eddie Lemoyne said uh, a book called bring about what you think about it was about your mindset and so I really started into this this idea of how can I control my mind and how can I heal by education of my, of my mind and really experiencing what that looks like by just changing the way I think um, and I didn't know what I was doing at the time I didn't know that it was uh, it was really powerful and those making those decisions was really powerful but but I, I you know I slowly worked my way through it so I started in about 2009 2008 2009 and then by about 2014 15 I was starting to come out of that real big fog I was in well that's that is when did you realize it I mean did did things immediately change once you realized what was going on no actually I not a, not immediately like uh like it was interesting because I I was just finding the short-term energy relieving behavior. So it was my wife and I, my wife is a grief recovery specialist. And so she calls them STURBs. And these STURBs were things like I was going to party and I was doing all these things. And I was really eroding my relationship piece by piece over that 12 month or 13 month period before she said I had enough. And then I realized what I had realized when I was making my decision, I was reflecting on what I was doing. It was just self-destructive behavior. I realized, oh my goodness, I'm affected by this stuff. I have this problem. I, I, I researched the symptoms. I'm like, my goodness, I don't, I have nightmares. I sweat. I don't sleep well. I have all these things that would tick the boxes for the, you know, post-traumatic stress or occupational stress injury. And at the time when I was in that moment, there was not a lot out there for first responders. And you didn't, I grew up in, a, in an era where you didn't speak about it. You didn't tell anybody about it. And so you had to figure on your own because you didn't want to be that guy, that person that gets that label. And so I really, really realized that I needed to work on it myself. And it was a slow process. And I dug my way out on my own. 
uh, right or wrong. Doesn't make it right or wrong. I just, that's what I did. If I would have gone to somebody, maybe it would have been faster. But in initially, I just wanted to, to, I was, you know, slowly, slow. And I would just take one thing at a time. And the first thing I started with is gratitude. I started with gratitude. And that's where it started for me. I just went every day and try to find something that I would be grateful for in that moment. And that's how it started for me. And that's a powerful way to start. Were there any other things, that practices that you sort of took up that became part of who and what you do every day? You know, after I started that gratitude piece, um, I kind of got curious about my heritage. Uh, so like, as I, I know we had talked before a little bit, but like I had got more curious with my heritage and my lineage uh, in Canada. And what I realized is that I knew, always knew I was First Nations in Canada. I knew that I was part of the and uh, the Mi'kmaq group of First Nations people in Canada. And uh, and that really was curious to me because I wanted to understand more about how they saw the world and how they reflected in the world and their cultures and stuff. And so like the earth and this and, and, and being close to the earth and being close to nature and, and having that as a, an influence was really, really important to my mindset piece and calming my mind down enough that I could, you know, reason with myself and, and find a better path for me. And that was, uh, that was key in, in that curiosity piece that really drove me to exploring new options. And so when opportunities were coming to me to explore my own different ways of thinking, different ways of being, different ways of understanding the world and how I saw it and finding balance, then you know, I would say yes to these opportunities as as they showed up uh, for me. And so, it would, but by touching base with that, it gave me a touchstone back to kind of my roots that I didn't really know about because I grew up in a, in a very, you know, normal home. And we weren't really, my parents weren't really huge on, on connecting with that, that First Nations piece because of the political climate and the, and the environment at the time. Now, there was also, I think, how about physically? Did you start to do any new exercises in your life? Uh, you know, I, I think that it was just more the fact of just being more disciplined when it came to um, just that workout piece and uh, and uh, just being more uh, mindful with the running and the um, just exploring that 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 health piece, I guess. And it, it was a challenge back then uh, because it was, you know, there was lots going on with a young family. And and, uh, and so that was, and we like to do hiking and we throw the mountains. And so spending time in the mountains was really important. Um, and so that was, was pretty big for us. Big for me. And you mentioned, you mentioned something that I had never heard before. I'm really curious where it came from. You began to work with the seven Fs. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? That was the, it was interesting for me. I got introduced to a thing called ULA. And ULA is where your life is balanced and growing in seven key areas of life. It was developed by a couple of people in the States, a couple of chiropractors, uh, Dr. Dave Braun and Dr. Troy Amdahl. And uh, they wrote a book about it. It's called ULA, Find Balance and Unbalanced World. And uh, they broke things down into seven key areas, which is fitness, finance, family, field, faith, friends, and fun. So it's seven Fs. Uh, and those seven Fs, I had never looked at life in seven areas. I had never thought about ever 
considering setting a goal in something other than my career, my fitness, or my finances. Because I think we do that typically. Typically, we have a New Year's resolution every year. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to save more money. I'm going to try to do better in my job or get a promotion. And, um, you know, when he broke, they broke it down in these seven areas, I'm like, well, I never considered my family as a goal. I never considered what faith means to me as a goal. I never thought about fun. I mean, I had lots of fun. Fun was easy for me. Fun's an easy, easy area for me because I can have fun anytime. Because it's just about doing whatever you want, whatever, playing playing the guitar, mm -hmm. right? I picked the guitar back up and, and started right. playing the guitar again. But to really have a goal in it, what does that look like? What does it mean? And so, and your friends, your friends group too is really, really key, I believe. Like if you have good, solid people around you that are going to lift you up, man, how much better can your life be when they're there supporting you? Um, and so there was, there was a lot of areas that I never considered before, but what this looks like. And so, uh when I broke it down and I'm like, I got to really like take each piece and, and see what it was. They told a story and they were talking about the guy at the circus and the guy at the circus has got the seven, got seven sticks in the ground. He's got these plates and he spins the plate on the one stick and he goes to the next and the second one and the third one and the fourth one. And by the time he's ready to spin the fifth one, he has to run back and spin that first plate again. So it doesn't fall off the stick. And he's, once you get them all spinning up on the plate, uh, plates up on the stick you have to run around and touch each one so they don't fall down because if you don't they'll wobble right they'll wobble and then they fall and so it's sure. much like your 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 it's much like your life if you don't pay attention to certain areas of your life they're going to wobble and then they're going to fall and crash mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right uh -huh. and so when they explain yes, it in that, in that way i'm like oh my goodness that's mind-blowing for me <laughs> Yes, it is. So did you see things start to shift when you started to do this ULA approach? I did. When I did that, things really moved for me. Like I, because it, it really gave me something to focus on. And even though my steps were little at the, in the beginning, I had very, very short steps in the beginning. Like they weren't leaps by any, by any stretch. But 12 short steps is better than no steps at all. And so... Um, and when I shifted it just inch by inch in a way in the first year or so year and a bit, I achieved more goals in the first year than I'd ever done in my entire life. I achieved 14 out of my 21 goals that I'd set that year. That made me realize that I wasn't dreaming big enough for one, because I had grown and realized my goals weren't big enough. Okay. Cause I did, I reached too many. And two, I realized that I can actually achieve goals if I put my mind to stuff. And what I realized about that was that my mindset was changing around everything the stuff around my stress was leaving my family was getting better my son was our relationship was getting better um, I had really solid friend group all of a sudden which it wasn't all of a sudden it was obviously over time as people were dropping I was spending less time with those that were destructive and more time with those that were more uplifting I had reconnected with my faith and that you know and I'd already been already been curious about my roots and so that just played right into my faith piece about the the earth and the the stars and how things align and how your mindset really is so key and and then and then it sped up for me and those little steps that were small steps in the beginning became regular strides and then as they as you grow up and you go through things and you grow bigger and then better and stronger and healthier then those steps can be a little bit bigger 
And, and it was, once again, it's an everyday process for me. I still do it today. I still come back and every day I have the same kind of thought processes around it. But, but there is just something to say about changing how you think. And it really helped me with my, with my occupational stress injury. Like I, there, there, I don't think I would have been where I am now without that breakdown of it in those seven areas, because it gave me an opportunity to really evaluate where I was. And, and so did so you cool. experience this? Did you experience this as longings and discontents? I didn't, I didn't know it at the time, but that's what it was. But when I can reflect on it from my level of awareness right now, my level of awareness in this moment, yes, hundred mm -hmm. percent. I had longings and discontents in all of those areas. And I had never been out. And then like you say, and I'm at a different level of awareness now than where I, where I was then. And so I can look back and really reflect. And the reason I'm where I am is because you had Stacey Berger on, on of course, and she, and she talked about, you know, mm -hmm. living a life that you love. And, and she is, um, she's, she's my mentor right now. I, I take as much as I can from her and I, I get her guidance and support in my business and my life. Um, and I, and I really um, believe it to be when I reframe it now. Yeah. I had longings and discontents and they had been there for a long time. And when you ask that question, how long has it been and what's it costing me? Well, it almost cost me my family. Mm -hmm. And I had, and I really that's, had to, that's huge. Yeah, it truly is. And I really had to battle that, that occupational side of stress, right? Like I didn't really unpack that, though that's all stresses until I started really looking at my book and writing it all down word for word. And, and my book was really the catalyst of this. Cause when I got to a point, my wife asked me, she goes, well, how come you're doing so well and others aren't? And it was an interesting question because it sparked the idea of the book. I went, I don't know. And I started to evaluate what I did differently than most people did. And how could I help them with that? And I just thought by sharing, and that's why the book came. That's how the book was born. Uh, it took me two and a half years to write it because it took me a long time to unpack those events that I put in the book word for word and try to really bring up those feelings. I wanted to live those feelings again and just have the really to be there and be in the moment. And uh, that caused me the ability to have gratitude now. Like, I guess I worked on it. I worked mm -hmm. right through every last mm -hmm. one. And I realized, man, although, yes. yeah, it's like, wow, it's such, it's just, you know, it's, it's very interesting, Gary, the way you phrase that, that you, you were, um, your wife asked you, why were you able to do this when so many people are not? That's actually the question I raised for myself um, before I wrote my book, because we had a landslide that destroyed our home. Yeah, and horrible. I, you know, we, we, and we had never gone through anything like that. We didn't have a clue about what we were supposed to do or how to do, mm -hmm. you know, how we would get through it. 100%. And we did. And when we once we did and we were settled in our new permanent home, I asked myself exactly the same question. Why were we able to do it when so many other people were not? And it set me on the journey that I'm still enjoying today, which it sounds like that's what you are also doing. Yes. I, I so what did you write about in the book? <laughs> yeah, you know, the book itself, uh, I wrote about kind of my it's like my story from beginning to end. So I, I talk about my shooting. Uh, I talk about some other, other impactful events inside the book that I went through as a police officer, that events that I went to that really affected me that I carried with me for a long time. 
that didn't realize it affected me. I, I kind of talk about why I got into policing. I talk about, you know, when I talk about getting into policing, I, I you know, I, I was a young kid. I was 20 years old when I joined the, the ranks. And uh, I had this call for service put on my heart, I think, by God and and I or, or spirit or whatever, whatever universe, they put this call for service inside of me. And I, I really wanted to serve my community. I really had this drive to do that. And and that got me in the door to policing and and um and, you know, it was it was an amazing moment. I, I mean, I, I still love what I've done over the last uh, 24 years. Um, it's been an amazing career when I look at it as a, as a whole. And uh, and so I talk about what that's like. I talk about my childhood, where I came from, because I want people to realize that it doesn't matter where you come from or what your life looks like. You know, um, we all have moments in time as kids, too. Right. We have these patterns that we're, we're, we're raised with as we as we're younger and we're, we're given this information and we think that's the way it is. Like, you know, my sister was attacked by a dog when she was three years old and I was, you know, um, I think I was 11 years old and I was outside. I should, was supposed to be watching her and she got attacked by this dog and she ended up having like 80 stitches in her head because the dog had grabbed her by the head. And she was lucky to be alive. And that was kind of that first contact with, you know, the police in my world when I was 11 years old, because the police had to come to track this dog. And, and so it was really interesting to go back and reflect on that and tell that, tell those kinds of stories as you grow up, right? And uh, I talk about moving around a lot, talk about moving from, I was born in Newfoundland, which is on the East Coast. And we, you know, moved out to Alberta. I spent some time in Alberta and I moved to Saskatchewan, spent some time in Saskatchewan. So I talk about those times because Saskatchewan was an amazing experience for me as a, as a teenager growing up in a small town, small farming community. I, I People may think it's crazy, but I really have a lot of respect for those farmers out there that are doing the work. And I have a lot of uh, time for people that live off the land, as well as it was a great place for me to grow up and learn who I was. And then uh, as I go through policing, I say, I just talk about what those, I have a few calls there. Like there's, I talk about the, the very first person that I saw that would, had committed suicide. Um, you know, it was a 16 year old kid who unfortunately took his life. Um, and I talk about, you know, watching someone, you know, jump off a bridge in front of me and, you know, she took her own life. And, and so those moments were the ones that really impacted me. And, I had, uh, you know, various other events that I went through that just sat in my brain and I couldn't get the images out. And I still can't get the images out, but it's a different image now. I just have a different feeling around it. And I talk about my shooting. I really get into my shooting and how that shooting affected me because it was the tip of the iceberg for me. It was that, that tip of all the events. And truly, there was more events mixed in amongst all those things. But those were the ones that really stand out for me. They stuck with me. I talked about them all the time. Mm -hmm. My wife was like, you always have this conversation around these events. So obviously I hadn't let something go. And so uh, those are the ones that I put in the book because uh, I believe that to be, for me, that are most impactful because that's how emotionally, and I talk about the emotions around it. It's not so much about the event itself. It's about the emotions of what I felt and how I thought and how things affected me. And then I walk you through coming out of that. I walk people through what I did, all the things I did to come out of that and how my wife and I interacted and how we built a different relationship and how we've grown together and how we've decided to do things differently and how when opportunities came, we said yes. And we leaned into opportunities that were different than other people were doing. And only because I was so super curious and so was she about growing and expanding and being different and, and, 
and really where does that bring us today? And and that transformed my call for service. My call for service really I had it's it's been three times in my life I've had a different call place there. Once when I first joined policing for the community, once in 2008, nine when I had a call to serve my family and decide for my family because even as I sit here now and I and I think about that moment, I'm filled with emotion around it. And um, I'm grateful I chose the path less traveled. <clears throat> and then I talk about, you know, the, the call that I have now to serve the other frontline members and their families and people in general where they're struggling. If I can share my story with them, like this is an amazing opportunity and just to share my story as to where I'm at now, how I came to be where I'm at, because ultimately anybody can do it if I can do it. Gary, part of the subtitle of your book is about overcoming um, the, the um, what's the exact words? It's the adversity overcoming through adversity through resilience. Mm -hmm. Where's the resilience come into this? How do you yeah. work with resilience? Yeah. yeah, so like I think people, um, <laughs> in general speaking, I think society believes that resiliency is something you learn about one time and, 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 and it's in your good. For me, resiliency is a is an everyday thing. Resiliency is something that we build. It's a muscle we build. It's a it's a, a foundation that we have to have. And so, what for me, resiliency is, is is creating a daily habit, a daily habit that we can touch every day, so that when we do have a crisis or we do have something that happened in our life, um, you know, we are able to to come back to that daily habit, and it creates a grounding effect. It creates a calming effect. We're able to calm that nervous system and we're able to unpack whatever's happening to us a little bit easier, a little bit more, you know, a little bit uh, quicker. Uh, because ultimately, that, and that is the resilience piece for me. And that's what I believe to be resilience. I believe resilience is just, it's, it's a daily habit practice. It's a daily thing that we do every day. And really, the I didn't know what, you know, resiliency, the definition is very simple. The ability to bounce back from crisis, right? To normal. Back mm -hmm. to normal. But, but what's normal? Absolutely. Right? But what's a normal? Your normal is different than my normal, right? So that's why I believe the key to resiliency is whatever your basis is, whatever your foundation is, if you have a daily touchstone that you can come back to, even in moments of terribleness, <laughs> if that's even a word, in the moments that are most terrible to you, <laughs> right? In those moments that are most terrible to you, <laughs> then, then you're able, and you're not crumbling underneath the pressure, you're not crumbling underneath all of that stress, you're able to have some a way to calm and, and, and really work through, then, then that's resilience in my opinion. And that's where the resiliency was for me, because when I decided for my family, I built a daily habit, I built routines, did them every day. Gratitude was huge. That was the first thing I did. I gratitude in the morning, gratitude in the evening, because I had to change my energy. I had to change my state because I was always angry. I was pissed off at everything. So, you know, that was a huge piece for me to start that. So, yep. So, Gary, you you say you went ahead, you and your wife created a way to give back to other first responders who who you felt obviously were going through the same kinds of situations that you were what yeah. what did you create yeah we created something called the the frontline resiliency project and that project is really centered around um, community and connection for first responders uh, and the project encompasses a bunch of events as well as opportunities to uh, participate in some mentorship and some and some guidance and coaching through tough times 
Um, we, you know, um, we do live events. We because we have a gala coming up in April that we that we uh, we do every couple of years, where we give back to the frontline community. We're raising this year, raising money for a pro, uh, PTSD service dog for a needy first responder who needs it. And uh, and and really, we're um, you know we we provide a, a different other events, a conscious connections event where you get together with other first responders, their families, and just have connection and to understand that we have the same community and we have the same story regardless of what we do for a profession because I think sometimes we get a bit siloed in the uniform that we wear or the patch that we have on our shoulder in our in my world anyway and so if you're a corrections person you kind of stick to corrections if you're a fireman you stick to firefighters if you're a policeman you stick to policemen if you're a sheriff you stick to sheriffs like it just doesn't really if you're a nurse you stick to your nursing group um, you know, and we want to bring them all together as one because we see the benefit of bringing people together as a community because you can't do it alone. If you could do it alone, you'd be doing it fine alone, but we need people around us to support us and guide <laughs> us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And, right. And so, and then, like I say, we also have the opportunity for people to, to, to reach out to us if they want to, you know, if they want some guidance, some mentorship, some, some coaching. Uh, if you want to call it coaching, but it's more mentorship and guidance, in my opinion, like we can just really speak to them and at a level that they understand and, and help them with their goals, help them with their idea of their vision and really take them through the small steps first, the early, early on steps, because that's one of the challenge, most challenging moments is the early steps and building those habits. I think we're really good at that. Her and I both are really good at, at helping people with that. sounds like an awesome program. And then of course your book just came out in October. Um, you were were you going much deeper in this in the book into this whole thing oh yeah like really we truly get into like the books I mean it's 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 it does dive deep into like a lot of the story and a lot of the what I did process wise and how they can reach out to me and how and what the benefit was right like ultimately the benefits that 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 came to me I did this for myself right initially I started with myself and to be there for my family but it was a selfish reason, right? I, I realized I was in a bad place and I needed to do better for myself. And if I didn't change, I would either be divorced and living in a, you know, living in the slums or I'm out of my car, something like that. Or uh, maybe I wouldn't even be here because I had that level of despair, right? I just felt I was worth more dead to my family than I was alive. Uh, but the book really dives into like, you know, the, how we move through that together and how we, um, you know, how we really raised, resurrected our, our relationship. It was in, it was in this place of, of ash or destruction or, you know, it was really, I, I really destroyed a lot of those, those things. And um, I was able to help together, put the bricks back together and create that foundation together. And the bonus that I didn't, didn't realize was even a, a thing uh, at the time was how it affected our son my son let's say 16 years old um he is an amazing human being and i'm so proud of where he's at today like it's and, and it was an unintended result of all of what we were doing because he truly listens to what we say regardless if he's actually in the room or not and how we're saying things to each other and how we're communicating with each other and, and how we're building our lives and how we're building a vision and dreams for each other and how we have our own visions and dreams. Um, he has adopted that way of thought and it's reduced his stress, it's reduced his anxiety. It's created this, this life inside of him that I just didn't expect to see. 
And that is priceless to me. It's, it's worth every, every bit of the heartache and, and pain we've gone through to get to where we're at. That's so fabulous. That really is fabulous to hear. Um, I know you, you focus on you know, frontline responders. Um, how do they find you? How do they, where do they get in touch with you? to find yeah. the book or to actually get to be part of your programs. Yeah, for sure. If they, you know, really, if you're, if you're an Amazon shopper, you can go onto Amazon, really Amazon worldwide and just search the book, a call for service or search my name, Gary Benoit as the author. Uh, it'll come up there. Or uh, what we prefer to do is if you could jump onto our website, it's uh, Benoit wellness consulting, uh, com because uh we developed a company as well that the company with a, with an arm of the FLRP. So the Frontline Resiliency Project is a, an arm of our, our parent company, which is Benoit Wellness Consulting. And that consulting company has got some other stuff. It's got some financial stuff in there that we do because we're both my financial advisor as well in Alberta and Saskatchewan. And so we can help you with the finances. But ultimately, if they want the book and they want some frontline resiliency stuff, they jump on our website. There's tabs there that will take you right through to the book. You can order the book right from the website, which takes you to Amazon and Amazon will pack it up and send it to you directly. Um, quick question to, could you please spell Benoit? Because yeah. you that is the French pronunciation. <laughs> it is. And it doesn't look like that. No, it's, so it's, <laughs> it's B-E-N-O-I-T wellness consulting.com dot com great yeah. okay and and like i say is there one to, message sorry before we get to that yeah, we'll go have, ahead. uh also we do instagram and and we also do uh, have facebook so either one of those at at pwc or at flrp uh one of the two they'll be uh you guys can find us there anyway continue one message that's fantastic okay one message that you have learned through this whole process, this whole change and transition that you've gone through, um, what one message really stands out for you? One thing for me, um, you know, if I could share it with, with people and the people that are listening here is, is um, regardless of where you are, it's not who you are. And, um, and I'm just gonna say it again, it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter what you're going through or what you're experiencing, it's not who you are, it's just where you are at in that moment. And if you decide the power of making one decision, if you can make that one decision to maybe do something a little bit differently or change the way you're doing things, the results will happen for you faster than you expect. Uh, that that that's the message right there like it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter where you are you are just you are who you are and where just you are is where, where you're you are. at yeah and make a decision mm -hmm. make one decision you can do it you know you can change your life fantastic all right well i really want to thank you for sharing your whole experience and and recovery with us gary um, let's remind our listeners that we've been speaking with gary benoit who shares his recovery from occupational stress injuries by repatterning his thoughts and the seven Fs and more personal growth on top of that as well. You could check out his work at benoitwellnessconsulting.com. So thank you again, Gary.
We're going to bring this call in for a landing now. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And if you'd like to learn more solutions and a system to rebuild your life and create a life you love, you can also check out my website, which is www.susanshereko.com. And that's S-U-S-A-N-S-H-E-R-A-Y-K-O. Or you can go ahead and sign up for an upcoming vision workshop that I sign people up at www.embracepositivechange.com. So we're all in it for everybody else. (laughs) Follow up with us. Okay. Bye for now. Have a great day, Gary. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.